On this episode of Industry Relations, Rob and I talk about market-based fear and reality-based optimism. Let's go. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. Uh, for those of you watching on video, as you can see, probably today is our no-hat day. I am your co-host, Notorious Rob, and with me, as always, Fab Robertson, everybody. <laughs> Fab Robertson. Woo! Yeah, hola, Rob. How's it going, man? Hola. I'm coming How to are you from you? remote. I'm in a hotel room. I'm traveling, so uh, apologize for the, the hotel setup room here, but... in like Belarus, uh, Hawaii. Like, wh- where are you? you? No, know, I'm, I'm not gonna. I, I can't really reveal that. Right oh. now, okay? I'm gonna keep a little mystery. Ah, I see. Ooh, <laughs> mysterious. <laughs> Little did you know, Greg Robertson is negotiating the peace deal between uh, Ukraine and Russia, you know, yeah, as we speak. exactly. Uh, <laughs> a little shuttle diplomacy here. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I'm like, looking at, I should have wear a hat. To, like, I, I don't know about you, but like, at a certain length, I think I've talked about this before, it's like, I, I get toupee hair. It looks like I have a toupee. So I don't, I'm going to yeah, yeah. somehow get this yeah. cleaned up before mid-year. But, but we want the truth to be out that Greg Robertson is not wearing a toupee. He and I both heart. have all like, our hair. That's yeah, right. So, yeah. That's, that's Which, the by the way, we probably pissed off like thirty percent of the male, you know, population <laughs> that's listening to this. But uh, sorry, guys. I mean, it's uh, you know, I like the bald look. What? I wish I could, you know, pull it off. The only things we have in common <laughs> is, our, is our hair, yeah. right, bro? <laughs> all right. Well, you know, hey, thanks for uh, for uh, doing this while you're on the road, you know, because that's Absolutely. not that's an easy thing. But uh, I think what you know in the pre-show we're talking like there are all these different topics we could talk about. We keep looking for a happy topic and keep failing to find the happy topic. Well, so, you just came off the uh, what did you call it hashtag demotivational tour? What was what did you call it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, somebody called me that once. That's how I came up with it. That I'm the best demotivational speaker in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is there, yeah, you might have made a new market segment. You know, you got Tony Robbins and Tom Perry. That's right. That's right. And then, wah, yeah, yeah. wah, they're, Rob on. <laughs> Where they're like, just go get it. And yeah. you can do it. And I'm like, Stay maybe inside. you can do it. <laughs> like, yes, but the macroeconomics are doing this and demographics are like that. And I don't have to tell you, that's what I'm seeing. That's a niche. It's a niche, man. Everybody wants a niche. Good for you. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, but having said that, I think, you know, something that you and I have been kind of, you know, offhand just in our conversations, just sort of noticing um, is uh, it's obvious, uh, you know, that this market fucking sucks this year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's having some, I, I don't even know what to call it. Like we'll call it like ancillary effects, like secondary impact. So I'll give you the context behind this, right? I'm talking to a buddy of mine who's, you know, uh, was a very senior executive at a very large brokerage. And we'll just leave it that to protect the guilty yeah, and the innocent. Protect the innocent. And he was telling me how his job sucks right now. Like the last few months of his job. Because he, you know, he's like one of these guys who loves their job, loves agents, you know, loves everything about it. And it's just the last few months has been really, really shitty because his day is basically spent dealing with agent complaints about the most random shit. Just, you know, like 
agents who were like great, you know, before. Now this year they're just complaining about this, complaining about that, complaining about some vendor, complaining about some technology, just bitching, complaining, right? And we thought, does it have to do the fact that maybe the market is so bad? I think the let the latest. I don't even know if anyone has real stats behind this, but my understanding is that most brokers, most agents are down somewhere between twenty and forty percent for the year. Jesus. Right? Because the market itself is down 20, 40%, depending on where you are, right? And it's just creating this anxiety and this tension and distress, which is coming out, you know, and like complaining about cloud CMA. You know what I mean? Like, wait, wait, wait. Have you seen anything like that? I know, right? No one ever complains about cloud CMA. I mean, have you seen, have you heard anything like this? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and what I was going to say is like, you know, first of all, like, look at like the cuts that Opendoor just made. I mean, another cut. I mean, these guys have gotten, right, that's got to be right. close to the goddamn bone, right? For sure. Right. Um, look at like uh, Redfin, right? Redfin right. was a, another another cuts there. Um, there was a, a recent article put, put out by Zillow um, talking about how, when you ask kids, you know, or, or young young people, how they think they're going to buy a house is that they're going to they're going to win the lottery, um, right? And you, you know, you talk about the I think it was Robert Refkin, the Compass CEO, talking about how you know buyers will, buyers will deal with the uh, higher interest rates, but sellers won't, right? Um, right. And then the the real thing to me is that, and it's just a little bit, and I I almost hate saying this out loud because I don't want to manifest this at all, but you know. I think the narrative was before, okay, hey, 2023 is going to be tough. We've got to get through this. You know, 2024 Q1, that's when we're going to start seeing some things emerge. And I'm just starting I've heard to that hear a lot. But but the narrative is starting to change. And it the, the change, oh God, again, I don't want this to to come true. But it's like now a lot of people are saying, hey, 2024 might not be better. Right. And I'm even hearing mm-hmm. echoes of what you kind of predicted of uh four and a half million, you know, uh, dip, I mean, you know, uh, peak this year, yeah. right. Which would be yeah, way un- not unprecedented, but for, for a long ass time. Right. So, um, and it's like, you know, it's almost like what was that old, that old Jimmy Carter thing that we've, the country's got to get out of this malaise or, you know, I forget the yeah. actual, uh, term he said, but, um, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's tough out there for a lot of people. And, uh, this inventory just sucks. Right. Right, and it's it's uh, everyone's pointed out like Mike Simonson's constantly talking about this like inventory is awful, and you know, and I think to your point, Rethkin, a lot of people are pointing out like, yeah, if I'm sitting at a three percent mortgage rate, why in the hell would I sell? Like, where would I go? Yeah. Right, because now I have to pay seven percent, right? And it just makes things. I mean, it just and in fact, I think we and I talked about this like. Sonny would get these postcards from agents trying to say, hey, you know, if you sell in this market, blah, blah, blah. It's like, but why would we move, pay more for less house? Like that yeah. literally makes no sense, right? Yeah. And that's even if we wanted to. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and as, as uh, the buddy I was talking about, he mentioned this. He said, listen, buyer demand is kind of back, right? Because buyers apparently have kind of psychologically adjusted to, all right, 7%. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And as the, we in the industry have been pointing out for a long time, it's like, look, this is 
still kind of historically low rates. You know, I yeah, mean, for sure, eighties, nineties, like rates were eighteen percent, right? So, yeah, seven's high, but it's not that crazy. I no, mean, I think you and I talked about seven and a half percent, right? I mean, yeah. exactly. I remember my first condo was I want to say it was about seven and a quarter, something like that. So it wasn't. So I think buyers have like, okay, I'll deal with it. You know, it is what it is. I think it's the sellers were like, I'm not selling. Like nobody's selling. Yeah. Right? Nobody is selling unless they absolutely have to. Right. Like estate sales. You know, like right. hey, grandma died and now we have to sell our house and none of us want to move in there. You know, or we're getting a divorce and have to sell the house or and even in that scenario, I, I think you're the one who mentioned this. Like a bunch of uh, divorced couples are going like, okay, we're going to get divorced. We're going to stay in the same house because yeah. we can't afford. <laughs> Good Lord, right? <laughs> well, there also was this this influx, I mean, influx or outflux of, uh, I know like a, a lot of employees who moved out to either Texas or a big place was Tennessee because they had their home in California. They could sell right. that at a big profit and then know that they would right. get a bigger house in, let's say, Tennessee at a good interest rate. Well, even right. that doesn't even make – the math doesn't make sense anymore at these kind That's of right. higher rates, right? Back. So you don't have yeah. – I mean, it's just all sorts of ugly out there on that yeah. on that kind of level. Yeah, and uh, – and, and when people don't yeah, have right. a lot like, to do, they just compl- – you know, if I'm sitting around where I was busy and I, I – you know, I'm, I'm working and these things come up, issues come up and I just overcome them to get, you know, my work done. Right. When you got nothing right. and you're sitting around here, you just start pointing fingers, looking for, looking for problems, right. looking for, for ways to bitch. Right. I mean, for sure. It's, and I have to imagine it can't be pleasant right now being like an MLS executive, an association executive, you know what I mean? Cause yeah, people are just angry. They're scared. I think they're just stressed out. And it does remind me, um, if you remember during the first bubble crash, you know, when, when real estate really tanked, like 2009, 2010, dude, there was, I mean, it's just something, I guess we don't really talk about as an industry, right? Because real estate, and we tend to be just optimistic, upbeat, positive, hopeful, you know, like to your point, to manifest that energy and all that shit. Yeah. But there was a lot of psychic damage that happened in that bubble bursting. You know, I mean, I personally know a few realtors who just kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know how to put it like they, they never recovered. <laughs> they were not the same person after going through that, right? Um, and I just like there are veterans, people who lived through that. I mean, do you think they're doing any better? Like, are are we doing any better because we lived through that trauma and now we're like, okay, I've been here, I've done this. Yes, things are gonna suck. Yes, cut. Like, are we better? off now are we more resilient because some of us lived through you know the first bubble what do you think yeah i mean it was such a different circumstance with that right i mean um you know the whole you know and rightfully so some people have i mean agents the rating agencies brokerages all had a hand in that right with this ninja loans sure. and everything else like that sure um and then there was just such a uh and, it, and think about the whole the, the whole world was going to shut down, right? So that the GFC was something, you know, was beyond real estate too. So there was, it was just not in real estate. So I think there was a bigger deal. Now it's just, it's just such a different thing with this inventory being so low. Um, and then not, 
it's just a confluence. I think we've talked about this before where it's just a perfect storm of stuff with inflation, with the inventory, with COVID and, and everything we're going through. It, is, it just all comes up to be some sort of like horrible situation for what we're doing. And yeah, then, yeah. You know, and then affordability, like we we talked about last time. I mean, you know, because of supply and demand, for some reason, price, home prices still keep going up. Right. I mean, well, not for some I reason. I think Redfin for, for just posted that home prices fell. Right. I like literally March was the first time. I think they said, but yeah, yeah, no, no, I said nationwide was like down 3%. I think Boise was down like 16 or 18%, but I think nationally it's the first time we've seen it. And I have been tracking it because, you know, my whole thesis around home prices have are just tied to monetary money supply. And we did shrink the money supply just a tiny bit in recent months. So we are seeing home prices drop, you know, as well. Having said that, affordability is still not good, right? You know, in other words, it's not like people are like, oh, it's down 3%. Yeah, well, you know, home prices went up like 200% between 2020 and 2022. So down three, you know, like like we went up so much that it has to come down way more than three for things to get affordable. But if you do that, then all of the people who bought, you know, they all suffer. So all around, it's misery, right? All around, it's misery. Do we, I mean, and I'm just wondering... Yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, the other thing is, is I think everybody wants to kind of like, okay, what's the new normal, right? Right. When, when do we get to, and it it doesn't seem to be in sight or it, when we think we're, there's something, another thing changes, whether the economy or, or something else, we're just, well, that's okay, this can't be it. So what is it going to be? And a lot of people want some stability or something to kind of say, okay, this is where we're at now, but it's just, it's, it's just, mm-hmm. everything's in still in kind of a chaos kind of mode, I think. Um, uh, for I sure. And I think it's, it's going to get worse. Before nobody it gets knows better. what the future, I mean, again, it's like so weird. It's like, you'd want to look back at things and say, okay, well we're, we're here and we're going to be there now, but I don't know what, I don't know what the future looks like in the, in this situation. It's hard to kind of, uh, everything's so connected, everything's so, complicated but you're you're the optimistic one remember yeah. between the two of us although i think i'm white-pilled i think i'm way more optimistic long-term <laughs> than you are but since you are supposed to be the optimist of the of the pair here um well, give me your take what do you think the new normal is and when but again yeah, and again let, let, let's just preface this neither of us are economists right. okay <laughs> uh neither of us do this for sort of thing for a living or anything so this total guesses of two random guys on the internet, but we do yeah. think we know housing, you know, better than most. So, what what do you think the new normal is, and when? Yeah, I mean, what is gonna what is going to affect supply, right? And I think both you and I agree. A lot We're of death. See. <laughs> A lot of death. Yeah, hold on. Now, I, now, now, now we're going back to our our, our roles here. <laughs> I mean, we we both I think agree we're never going to see five or four percent ever again in our lifetime, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. We're right? taking mortgage rates. Yeah, I just I just okay. don't see it. Um, I guess you know maybe it's this silver tsunami people talk about where the boomers this massive shift of wealth has to happen where. And that I guess that goes back to your depth. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you're alluding alluding to, but um, yeah, <laughs> that, that shift has to happen, right? Um, I mean, that shift has to happen, maybe for that kind of be. Now, I don't know. Maybe you follow this more than I do, as far as when are those kind of things supposed to be up? When when is that going to go down? And then then you read like 
none of these millennials or Gen Zers want the big McMansions that the damn boomers all Correct. bought anyway, right? So that's a going to have maybe all this inventory out there that nobody really is interested in. Um, Correct. So I mean, Correct. I would probably have to tie a new normal to that um, shift of wealth a little bit for for things to kind of really okay. take effect. Um, and I don't know what the numbers are on that, right? I mean, do I think that supply is going to change? Inventory is going to change next year? I don't, I mean, I, I don't think so. I mean, do I think that there's going to be, well, I think, I think we'll see an interest rate stabilize, right? But, um, around, what do you think is stabilized? It's got to be six, six, around the sixes. Around the sixes, right? okay. Six and seven, maybe. I mean, I think everybody wants it to be five. But I just don't think that's going to be possible. Um, right. You know, we we have a bet going here. What's what's going to happen at the next Fed meeting, right? Um, of that's well, right. I don't know about meeting, but announcement. Um, I think it's yeah. going up a little bit. Um, but I think I said it was either yeah. a pause or a or, or pivot. So I'm probably going to bu end up buying you dinner, which would be great. <laughs> I would love to do yeah. that. You know, so. Fantastic. Yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. All right. So for myself, I think the new normal probably looks like home prices down somewhere in the 30% range. Yeah, that's that's just, I mean, that's not going to happen. I know. It's, it's like end of the world type scenarios. I think it's going to be around there. I think mortgage rates are probably closer to 10. You know, uh, and there's two scenarios where that happens. One is the Fed pivots. So they start cutting rates again. But weirdly enough, I think that the mortgage rates aren't going to come down. And here's here's my rationale on that. And I, I God, I hope I'm completely well, wrong. Well, you said ten percent. How I mean, down from ten or? The, no, no. Like that's what I'm saying. Like mortgage rates will be somewhere around the ten, or like pretty high, right? And even though Fed will start cutting rates, right? And I'm saying like, there's here's a scenario, and I hope this doesn't happen, but this to me feels like the most likely. Because, okay, Fed will cut rates and they'll be like, okay, we got to reverse. Like we got to avoid a great depression, right? Because we're clearly heading towards a real hard landing from a recession standpoint, right? So we're going to try and stimulate the economy again. The problem I see there is the bank failures. Because this is a new thing, right, that we didn't see at the beginning of this year. Right. Nobody expected Silicon Valley Bank to be fucking failing. Nobody expected Signature. Nobody expected First Republic. Nobody expected any of that, right? So it seems like currently what's happening, the trend right now, what the economists and analysts are sort of predicting is a lot of the small and regional banks are probably going to go under right? because depositors will pull their money and either for safety, they'll take it to one of the big five, right? They're too big to fail. Or they'll pull their money and they'll put it into money market funds. They'll do other things. So like Americans have woken up, especially business owners, right? Because the FDIC $250,000 limit, it doesn't – I mean, that's good enough for, you know, whatever, 95% of American home, you know, families, right? You know, it's good enough for me. But if you're Greg Robertson and you have a lot more than that, in the <laughs> or really more Jeez. precisely, it's the businesses, right? It's, it's not the individual. It's the, it's the – you have a construction company, you have a restaurant, and now you need like, okay, well, it turns out if you keep more than $250,000 in a bank, which a lot of them do to have working credit, right? It's not like 
you have two hundred, you know, million dollars in the bank seems like a huge amount, except your payroll is eight hundred thousand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of stuff. I think those people are all going to go. You know what? We're pulling out of our local SNL or whatever small bank, and I'll put it into Bank of America, right? Because I can't have my working capital be affected, right? So I have to go to some too big to fail bank. And the problem with that, of course, is I think a lot of the mortgages, <clears throat> to me, the lending actually happens from the small regional banks. That's been our, our and this, and if mortgages are so, if those small and you know whatever banks are like, hey man, we're all about to go out of business. Uh, are they in the loan making mood at that point? Yeah, no. Right? I Some mean, guy and comes he- and says, "I want to borrow money for a mortgage." Are they going to be like? Yeah, let let me underwrite that loan, even though I think I might be going under. Like I don't like that's a real problem, right? So then we're saying, okay, we're gonna count on the big five, like the really big too big to fail banks to starting residential mortgages, like maybe, right? But if they do, are they going to issue them at the three percent, four percent that you know that we've seen in the past? Or are they gonna be like, Yeah, you know, this shit is real risky. It's thirty years long. And that's what killed Silicon Valley Bank. Like, again, if you read through, you know, some of the yeah, reporting yeah, yeah. around it, you know, the, the thinking was that they they could have been fine. You know, they actually had a very strong balance sheet, but they invested a lot of their money into treasuries and mortgage-backed securities, right? Which everyone thought was the safest securities, but it was a duration risk. So, okay, you have mortgages, but it's paying one point seven five, and it's fifteen years to maturity. And you know, like you're well, literally con- losing money. It's not worth conservative, anything. A conservative bet, correct? Right? I mean, but you know, when, when everybody's pulling their correct. money out, and you've got that tied up, I mean, it, it didn't turn out to be that. That's right. And then One the value of those bonds aren't, yeah, yeah. And yeah. One thing you mentioned is I've been reading about is this upcoming commercial loan crisis, which oh my a god lot affects it's going to be a disaster. Smaller, um, yeah, you know, the the, the smaller uh, uh, banks as well, right? Where these That's leases right. are coming up and people are going to start defaulting on it because they don't want um, That's right. Th- those leases, right? So um, they want That's to renegotiate right. or whatever else. So, I mean, it's a it's a ugly out there for, for sure. So if that – that's my thing. That's my kind of what I think is like the next year to drop is if the small and like regional banks really get hammered, I think what it does is it starves credit availability for mortgages. And if that right. happens, then I think we have a scenario where we could have lower rates overall, but mortgages in particular might be 8%, 9% because the banks are, we don't want to take this risk, right? And if I have, to, and again, if I, if I write this loan, the issue is going to be, there's now a 30-year mortgage-backed security attached to this, right? And some, to get an investor to buy that, knowing what happened to Silicon Valley Bank, Knowing what happened to a lot of these banks that bought mortgages at or MBS at 1.75, they're like, nah, we're not touching that. If we're going to buy an MBS, we're on a 30-year bond that's going to pay 8%. Well, but to be clear, right. it's not like the MBSs were a bad investment. It was just the scenario around, you know, how these kind of uh, interest rate hikes have done right. um, to the treasury bonds, right? So it's not... Not that right. housing is a bad investment. Not that these no. securities are a bad no. investment. It's just it's just the, the scenario of what um, I don't think anybody the unintended consequences that all this stuff happened. Right. So, yeah, either unintended or intended. 
because Fed knows it has to crush housing in order to get inflation under control. Yeah. Right? Like the other thing, like, again, I mean, can we be honest about this? Look at CPI gains. March print, I think, was 5%, but it was above what people expected. Well, why was it above what people expected? Because of shelter, right? because of yeah. housing costs and rent. Yeah. Okay, well, fine. You're not going to get CPI under control until you crush housing. Well, how are you going to crush housing? No, you're right. It's not like more. No, they were they, people were buying, banks were buying them because they were the really safe securities, right? But you're not buying stock in Tesla. Like you're buying really stable, <laughs> you know, good as gold, mortgage-backed securities. It's just that it's paying 1.75 and now interest rates are three. It's worth, you know, 30% less than it was before. And it was it's that whole thing. So I'm saying, okay, fine, going forward, if I'm a bank manager, right, if I'm a bank executive, I say, hey, we, we need to invest this money. We should invest in mortgage-backed securities. I'd be like, all right, cool. I, I want to make sure that those mortgage-backed securities are paying a high enough rate that I don't have to sell them if the Fed goes back to raising rates. Right, right. right? So you know what? Give me 6%. Give me 7%. I'll buy those, right? Because I'm not expecting the Fed to go to... 11% right interest rates and all of a sudden my bonds aren't worth what I paid like I want so I think that potentially drives the idea of low lower interest rates overall from the Fed but higher mortgage rates right because the mortgage backed securities buyers are going to be real skittish about buying those right even though so, to your point it's a really safe investment it's a really good investment it's just a rate risk and duration risk right so and then let's circle yeah. let's circle back so we're having this kind of psychic crisis with brokers and agents because of what's going That's right. through if you're a broker or agent let's just go to an agent what what can you do right now i mean i've always i've always kind of posited that you know as a real estate agent you should be more of like almost a wealth advisor um you know uh maybe and look at housing not from just purchase but from you know Helping people find homes, whether it's a rental, um, doing property management, mm -hmm. kind of diversifying mm -hmm. what you do um, into yeah. other ways, um, while this all this other things, you know, you know, providing value with what you what you know in other in other ways uh, with this yeah. network of people that you've you've helped out, right? So, um, and you know that goes back to like you know you know these what what are the predict? I mean, I we we track kind of the. Um, NAR membership, and it really hasn't gone down that much, right? So, and it won't, and it won't yet, you know, because again, a lot of people paid up for the year. We have to see what happens in November, December of this year, right? Right. So, that's on the membership side. Now here's the thing, man. I don't know that <clears throat> I feel comfortable telling agents what to do, right? Like, you know, uh, I, mean, I don't know, like talk to, talk to your advisors, you know, talk to your family, talk to, you know, but at a high level, I mean, I think we can make general claims just by looking at what everyone else is doing, right? You've got to cut expenses. Right. Right. It's not like Open Door wanted to lay off 550 people. They're just like, shit, we got to cut expenses. We're going to trim payroll, right? Um, so then you have to, and then as an agent, I would have to ask, like, what are your expenses? What are your biggest line item expenses? I'll tell you one thing I will say as a result of this is, and I've been predicting this quite for a few years now. So I feel like, okay, it's like starting to come, you know, whatever, because I'm always too early. But the 100% shops should see a real gain. 
Because mm. one of the biggest expenses of an agent is going to be the, the the broker split. Okay, I'm an agent. My shit is down 25%. I'm looking, where am I going to cut? Probably one of the easiest things they're going to look at is, well, I don't want to pay a split anymore. Right? So that's going to cause problems. That'd be one. Another one might be things like prop tech, like what kind of tools? Right? I mean, agents are constantly like, okay, well, I'm going to try this tool. I'm going to tr try this CR. I'm going to try that because it's maybe going to, you know, and what's the what's the classic uh, sort of pitch by prop tech vendors? If you just sell one additional home a year, then yeah, it more exactly. than pays for this product, right? Yeah. Okay, if they're like, well, I'm selling three fewer homes a year, so maybe I don't need to pay forty nine ninety nine for this well, thing anymore. Yeah. So there's, I just, that, I, I think that right? agents got to double down on their technology is what I think they should do, Rob. That's of course you do, of course you do. Uh, I, I feel now like having I have said that, that, some agents are, vendors you know what? Out there, right? Here's the thing that some agents are actually going to do that. So if you think about like every time we've had this real downturn in the market, you know, the, the better agents and the bigger agent teams, they've really gained market share. They tended to do better because to your point, they're doubling down. So, okay. Everyone else is scared. I'm doubling down. So that's going to happen. Right. Um, but I, as a, so as a general, I'm like, okay, it's cut expenses and that's going to be diversify revenues. Like to your point, maybe go to property management. So I've been talking, telling brokers to go into property management from two years ago, I think, and they none of them have, as far as I know, you know. And a lot of things I've heard is, yeah, but you know, that's a lot of liability. It's really risky. We don't really want to do it. All right, that's cool, man. Don't do it. Now your revenue's down forty percent. What are you going to do now? Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those, and people are going to do those things. We know that, um, but it's not a should, right? Like, what should agents do? To some extent, you can't, you can't, you can't help yourself. Like you just got to stick to what you do, right? Make more phone calls, right? You know, do more legion, like serve your clients better. You know, it's it's gonna have to be that. Now, obviously, as a biased, since you made the biased statement about prop tech, as a biased, you know, operator of an auction based MLS, I could be like, hey, you know, you could look <laughs> at auctions where you could go oh, to yeah. listing your sellers and say, hey, how do you like zero percent listings? Um, but you're going to have to – I feel like for an agent on the ground, there's, it's sort of a maintain your mental health maybe more than anything else, right? Like do what you can and then try not to get completely bent out of shape about things you can't control, right? Like if you're an agent on the ground, let's say you're a great agent. You don't control interest rates. You don't control mortgages. You don't control bank failures. You don't control recession. You don't control any of that. It's like what do you control, Right. And bitching and complaining to your broker or to the MLS association is not going to generate a dollar of revenue for you. So it's like, what can you control? Make more phone calls, right? Like, do you know what I mean? You know, uh, yeah. do more, do more conversion. Like, it, it's like it's just. I mean, people are still going to have to move, right? There's those four Ds, right, that we right. talk about all the time. It's just that, That's right. you know, on top of that, is not going to happen as much as before, right? Especially the crazy times we've just been through. Yeah, um, with COVID yeah. and everything else. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like a two, you know, people still have to move for a lot of different reasons. So there's still something out there. Um, but you're right. They just got to re-examine re, re their business and, and see how they can weather this. I just, I just, you know, wish, and I guess nobody has a crystal ball here, but, you know, there were, I just feel in the past, we like, okay, we know what's going on. This is what's going to happen, and then that this is going to happen, right? I mean, I know right. that real estate has always been cyclical, although it's been going up for way beyond the average. 
Um, right. But just to see a way out of this because things are so complicated, it's just it's hard to grasp. It's hard to grasp. Yeah, and and I think so. I'll I'll make this general statement as well, uh, which has been a long held thesis of mine. Real estate has been going up for twenty years, thirty years, because we as a country have just completely blown out our money supply. It's money printer go burr, right? And I think I've showed you the charts that show home prices almost identically track money supply, right? Okay, if that's the case, then home prices are probably going to fall if the money supply falls, and the money supply is most likely going to have to fall, right? Otherwise, it's, it's it's stagflation. I mean, it's those types of things. So it's when I look at it from an agent perspective, you can't control any of that, right? So it's just focus on what you control and then maintain your mental health, right? Like, yeah, I get it. You know, I mean, we're all feeling like we're all in the same boat, you know, the anxiety, the fear, right? And it's, I don't know, it's maybe it's meditation, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's, you know, pick up a hobby, <laughs> you know, get your mind <laughs> off of like all the anxiety. I, I don't, I, you know, it's like, it might have to be something like that. And maybe the agents and brokers who live through the first bubble, maybe the most important thing you can do now, because what I can't remember, you gave me a stat, some percent, like 70% of agents working today have never lived through, you know, the bubble. Yeah, yeah. Is that I, about and I, right? I've been trying to source that stat too, because I heard it somewhere else, but I haven't been able to source it. But um, I yeah. think it was on a Tom but, Ferry podcast, but maybe... Maybe, but we know that a huge, huge chunk of agents working today have never lived through, you know, that whole collapse. So maybe the brokers and agents who are maybe older, a little bit more experienced, who lived through that, maybe one of the most important things you can do is start talking to those agents about mental health, about, you know, like staying grounded, staying focused, you know, like survive, you know, like psychologically survive, like okay, you, you didn't get that sale. It doesn't mean you suck as an agent. It just means the economy is what it is. You know, something yeah. along those lines. Maybe it'd have to be that. Um, I don't know. Like I said, you know, fucking drum circles, you know, like, pot's legal, you know, <laughs> go, like, I, I, you know? <laughs> well, okay. I think, I think we're winding down here on that one then. That's good. Uh, uh, I, Maybe we should give a little. I, I will say that um, next week we have a special guest. We, I don't think we'll. I, yes. I, we'll just leave it as a tease there. So, um, yeah. we're going to be recording that, I think, uh, this Friday. And then I think that'll yeah. be available for listening uh, as people go into mid year. So, kind of excited about that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll maybe get off this d doom and gloom stuff and, and, and talk, uh, talk about. Talk about some other subjects here. So, I, so I, you know, here's the thing. Like, okay, so with mid year coming up, and may, because because mid year is coming up, and you and I are probably not going to be able to do a preview episode of that. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a point of it that feels like, look, there's a difference between doom and gloom, right? And um, I don't know how to put this. Like, let's call it grounded optimism. So let me try and explain what I mean by that. If we get together at mid-year, right, and only thing that happens is more rah-rah, more, you know, just like, like there's no basis in reality for thinking like, hey, no, the market's going to be great in Q4. Why? Well, because, uh, you know, because, or it doesn't matter how bad the economic conditions are, as long as you are focused and you are doing what you can, then don't worry, you're going to be great. Like, 
you know what I mean? I feel like there's some room for saying, okay, here's what's happening, right? So what can we be like, you know, in other words, like think about a way out, way through all that, that gives you some grounded optimism, right? As opposed to pretending like this shit don't exist, right? I'm hoping we're going to see that. Like mid-year, that's a big, pretty big issue. And we've talked about it before on this podcast. I don't understand why NAR is not doing some special closed door, you know, leadership only meeting and laying out exactly like, here's what's going on with the lawsuits, guys, right? We don't want to scare the the average member, but you guys are presidents and CEOs of Realtor Association MLSs. You should get like, here's what's what's realistically I, I, and genuinely happening. I, I did have somebody right? reach out to me with a theory on that and- Okay. And I the theory is that NAR can't do that, maybe because you know, they're afraid of these people that would be in the in the room that they would want to have some confidence and not really blab about anything would actually say something and then you know that would be out in the kind of uh into the ether now, right? So it's like it's more of a of they they've determined that there's too many leaks that could happen. So the best strategy is, you know, not to give a lot of that information right out um, and, and stay to their game plan. I don't know if that's a, a smart thing or if that's really even relevant, but yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that, that, that was a theory given to me why, why they haven't, you know, been okay. that open. Sure. That's a reasonable, but then same thing with like economic forecasts, right? Like now's not the time to be, you know, just like, like if if you genuinely believe no things are gonna be great, then fine, do that, right? But if if not, like it's now's not the time, right? Like we actually need to be a little bit more grounded in reality and look at the negatives. That's what it is because it doesn't mean we're all gonna die. It means uh, look, here's what's happening. So therefore, here are things we can think about. Here are moves that we can make. You know, like I don't know. Like I'm, I guess I'm just generally hoping. The way out of this sort of malaise, the way out of, you know, to use you and President Carter's phrase, the way out of this malaise, malaise is not yeah. pretending it doesn't exist, right? The way out of it has to be, okay, we're aware that this exists. What can we now do, right? What are sort of reality-based strategies and tactics we can employ, you know? Um, and I don't have all those, like, I don't know, you know, like maybe like, I'm a consultant still. So like, give me a call if you want, you know, but then I'll talk you through it. But the one thing I do feel pretty strongly about is, okay, mid-year's coming up. Just whatever conversations we're having, let's just base it on some sort of mutual agreed basis of reality, right? And again, I could be wrong. We could all be wrong about what's going to happen. And you could just say, oh, yeah, that's not going to happen, whatever. You're, you're, you're doom mongers. Okay, cool. I hope I am. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see any of this stuff. But this notion that, you know, well, millennials are growing, so they're going to do family formation and therefore it's going to pull us out. No, it's not. It's just not. No, that, that's just fantasy, you know, like grounded in some sort of reality. If you're going to talk about millennials forming, you know, uh, doing family formation, going to drive housing growth, then at least you got to look at millennial marriage rates, which is not happening. You know, that's, that's kind of what I mean. Like, let's get a little bit more grounded on reality and then be optimistic. That's that's kind of what I'm hoping will happen at mid year. I'm not going. Are you are you going? Yeah. You going to the, are you going. going to DC? All right. Yeah. I mean, the feedback I've the gotten deal. right now is that I think, at least from the MLS world, it's I don't think you got an ongoing lawsuit. 
they probably don't want you to say anything that's going to be could be used used in the case, right? So I, I think a lot of MLSs are like, what are we going to talk about here if we can't really talk about the things that we right. need to talk about, right? So that's that's right. and I understand the the reasons why, right? That that makes sense. Um, so there's that, but I mean, the other thing is that you know maybe this is a little bit contrarian, but um, I still think that there's a chance for this suit to be settled. Um, and you know, with, with some changes out there, but you know, still basically the, the, the tenants of organized real estate still being there. Um, so okay. maybe that's some optimism, but you know, we, we'll, okay. we'll have to find out. Okay. But then let's, let's base that on reality. If you want to do that and the MLS just can't talk about anything real, you know what, maybe invite one of the lawyers for the plaintiffs and be like, Hey, what would it take for us to settle this? Well, those are not. I mean, those 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 negotiations happen with lawyers to lawyers, right? I mean, I don't think. Oh, of course they do, the, but the, that's what I'm saying. Why not? I mean, look, if, if that's if that's what it is, why not invite them? Like they they could just say no, right? Right. Or or at least then have that conversation. The MLS should get together, invite some third party lawyer who's not involved in lawsuits, right? And then the conversation should be okay. What do you imagine as a legal expert in antitrust law who's done this sort of thing before? What do you think a settlement could look like? Right. Well, that that's like at least have thing. that conversation then. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like uh, I, that would be an interesting podcast to listen to, and or an article to be written. Like, um, so maybe somebody at Emin News or somewhere else can say, "Let's ask three former DOJ didn't like CMLS hire some." Some of these former DOJ yeah. attorneys, like yeah, and FTC lawyers, yeah, give us you know three ways that this lawsuit could be settled, that right? Would be, and yeah. then have them laid out. That'd yeah. be a that'd be a, that'd be an interesting kind of thing to uh, listen to. Maybe you know some former mediator or something that could yeah um, yeah you know talk about how this could be settled, right? Um, and then yeah, that's I think a, an article or a podcast people would listen to for sure. Yeah. No, I agree. Maybe we should, maybe, I, I just hope it's I not. I mean, I, I got to look back and see who they actually hired. I mean, that would be an interesting, maybe we could reach out to them and say, hey, we'd like you, you know, can you give us give us some examples of how this, you can see this being settled um, mm -hmm. and, and go from there, right? Yeah. Hey, look, we know Danae and, you know, a bunch of the CMLS people listen to this. Look, if, if you guys are hearing us, we would love to host that conversation, you know, and uh and, and, and Greg can be less, the real positive is, one. Yeah, this is less a DOJ thing more than than anything because this you know doesn't really involve the DOJ. So maybe it's something outside the DOJ. But some attorneys that are you know that handle these big yeah. lawsuits and stuff and, and do these settlement. But I, look, at a minimum, those two attorneys are antitrust experts. They've worked on DO, at the DOJ. They've worked at the FTC, yeah. right? So look, we so let's just put that out there. Hey, yeah. if you guys are willing to have them on our show, we would love to interview them and ask them these questions. What What is the way forward here, you know, for the industry? And since you guys aren't involved in the lawsuit, there's no reason why you couldn't sort of give us your honest opinion about yeah, it yeah, and I have, like that. have a discussion. A idea, that would be yeah. awesome. All right. All right, man. Uh, so we try to keep it as upbeat as possible. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying real hard. Right. And my upbeat is optimism based on reality. That's my upbeat. Right. My upbeat is essentially the same version of my prepper mentality. Like, okay, you know what? Even if like hurricanes come in, 
if you're prepped for it, you have a little bit more chance of optimism. But if you're like, oh, the hurricane's just going to avoid us, like that's dumbass. Like you don't do that, right. right? And I'm suggesting maybe that's maybe the way forward as an industry. Just this flow floating anxiety and this angst and this fear. Maybe the way you deal with this like reality based optimism. Hey, you know what? Here are things you can do to prep. Get some water. Get some food. You know, get some ammo. You know, like now you have some. All right, things could still be bad, but I feel better about myself and my family. You know, that that sort of thing. That would be the approach. Absolutely. So, cool. Let's leave it at that. I can't believe we worked a prepper into that. We do have – we need to do an episode about prepping one of these days. We should invite like, like a prepping like expert and, prepping, and do that. Prepping like, you know, end of zombie apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actual okay, prepping. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. No, I, need, actually, I have right. a lot of questions, Rob, so I would love to have that podcast with you. Yeah, I think that'd be awesome. Okay. All right, man. Well, Greg, uh, enjoy your, your hotel uh, sojourn and uh, please succeed in your shuttle diplomacy because the uh, world needs peace. <laughs> I don't know where you got, where you think I'm diplomacying anything, Harrison. I'm just... Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.